Hey guys, Paul here from the Complete Personal Trainer Podcast and Melbourne Performance Coaching. Our last episode in our series of communication, although this could clean the screen. Uh, this could go on forever. It could go for a very long time because communication is a huge topic for trainers and coaches to get right. It's how you communicate when you don't know. And this is a really scary topic for a lot of coaches, uh, a lot of therapists in particular. So in the last podcast, we talked about cognitive biases and we've talked about the fixer mindset as well. So just to go over all that, the fixer mindset is all about like, you know, you have the ability to fix your clients and you are like that whole knowing guru who has the ability to solve, solve things, which we know isn't helpful for a number of reasons because it takes away autonomy and makes the client rely on you. And when you do fail and you will eventually fail at fixing something, the client will look down on you. The confirmation biases we talked about were the uh, the conf- uh, sorry the, con- the cognitive biases we talked about was the confirmation bias, where it's you confirm what you think to be true, and you you, know, you cherry pick and you think that you're right from problems uh, happening like oh your SIJ is out so we need to fix that put it back in or your performance is tight let's stretch it and your pain should go away. Then we've also got last one, which is the selection bias, where you feel like everyone fits into the paradigm of what you just learned. So you see this all the time, particularly in physical therapy. I use the compression expansion model as a particular example of that. And the thing is, with a lot of these things that we actually see in the confirmation bias, so like things like the sacroiliac joint being out of place or someone not having motion at the ribcage and in a certain section or posterior expansion we don't actually know uh it's really hard to be able to know that with the tools that we have and with our hands a lot of these tools rely on you know hands-on diagnosis which we know is incredibly inaccurate and totally subject to error from practitioners and it has a poor inter practitioner reliability um, so a lot of the time when clients have problems we don't know what's going on and when we realize that we don't know that something's going on, we don't know the reason why, we have some ideas, but we don't know the reason why, it's a really scary time for us because all of a sudden our we feel like our perceived expertise will be diminished. Uh, we'll worry about the client will go to someone else who can give them concrete and solid answers. We worry about a lot of different things here and most of it comes from a place of ego and having a fragile self-esteem. So what do we do in these situations? Well, the first one is obviously be aware of that we don't know what we don't know and that we are subjective to cognitive biases. So when you do that, your first step should be evaluating the processes, the treatments, the assessments, everything that you're kind of doing and actually look at, are you coming at that from a place of, hey, it's a possibility, it may be a contributing factor or is it the cause? I see a lot of time people treating it as the cause. So they just go, all right, cool, this is what it is, that's it, do this, oh, it didn't work for you, you need to do this more, or you haven't tried hard enough while doing this. You haven't done your corrective exercises enough, you haven't done them seven times a day, you've only been doing six. So what you should do is put all these tools under the microscope and you should go out of your way to look for things that basically say what you're doing doesn't work. This doesn't mean it isn't, okay? It's that you're looking for evidence that exists that, you know, it's not as concrete as what you think it is, and there may be other contributing factors to what you're doing. And then from there, 
how do you communicate this to the clients? This new uncertainty that you found, which is also a new level of intellectual honesty and also vulnerability as a practitioner and as a person. So when you're trying to explain to a client that you don't know something, a really good way to say it is, look, it could be this. In my experience in the past, I've seen other clients with this particular issue and it's been this. So we've tried it and it's worked well for a bunch of people. Hasn't worked for everyone. I'd like to try this with you first. And then at the worst case scenario is if it doesn't work, we can at least rule that out. How does that sound? Does that sound fair? So by doing this, what you've done is a number of things in a very short period of time. You've given the client some reassurance and some validity to what you do because you've seen this problem before and you've seen it take place in other people. You've also shown intellectual honesty by saying it, you know, it's uh, possibly part of what's going on and that you've actually used it with other people and you've seen success, which is going to show intellectual honesty and that the protocol has some success. And this is going to improve someone's perception of you as an expert. When you say then that now it hasn't worked for everyone in all cases, but the worst case scenario is we can actually use this as a tool to work out what it isn't and then we can move on to the next thing. How does that sound? You've involved the client in the process by saying that. You've asked if they're open to trying it. So you're having a client-centered model for that. And you've opened up the possibility that it may work or it may not work. So whatever you've done, you've basically created a situation where the client feels safe. They, they feel that you know what you're talking about. And they also know that you're not gonna promise them anything that's unrealistic and over the top. And if you don't know what's going on, you've got the humility and also the diligence to go look up what something is. So in training, for example, I don't know how you're going to respond to this volume. For example, I don't know how sore you're going to get. All these answers where all these questions people ask, or how sore will I be, I don't know. Uh, how much volume do I need to do to lose weight? How many calories do I need? I don't know. But what I can do is I can figure out a starting point and we can work it out together. Does that sound like a better idea? And a lot of clients are really going to appreciate that. And you're taking your clients then on a journey through a process to figure out what works for them. So individualization over time, meaning you're not trying to individualize from day one because you don't know, you're being honest with the client and you're involving them in the process and the journey of self-discovery, which sounds really philosophical and a little bit tossy, but nevertheless, you're involving them in this process and then they're going to trust you more as a practitioner, you can build more rapport, and then you have the ability to experiment a little bit more with clients. So guys, that's communication. That's how you communicate when you don't know things. It comes from a place of recognizing first where your biases are, and then you can use that as a tool to create better rapport and a better connection with your clients, which is going to end up with better results and better outcomes anyway. Thanks heaps, guys. Please leave a five-star review because it's awesome, clearly. Any questions, hit me up. Speak soon.